The following is a presentation of the All Andy Elfrin Network. It's powered by Anchor. You are listening to Andy on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker. However you listen to the show, and whenever you listen to the show, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for giving us your time to listen to what is happening in the sports world as well as what's happening in his everyday life. You can always be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred and on Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. The views of AllAndyAlfred are those of Andy's and do not reflect the Anchor Network. The divisional rounds are done and we are one step closer to Vince Lombardi's trophy being handed out in Glendale, Arizona. We have two more games left before that, as it is the conference championship in the National Football League. We'll break down all of the divisional matchups from last weekend. If you don't know, if you can't hear my voice, I'm still a little tired from last night. Watched the entire Jacket game. Didn't finish up to almost 1 o'clock in the morning on TNT. The Jackets and the Edmonton Oilers six-game winning streak. Get a big two points in this Western Canadian road trip. Which sees them playing out in Vancouver. And with Everett Fitzhugh's Seattle Kraken. We'll talk about that. As well as what's happening in the National Hockey League as well. Six big points out in Iowa for the Walleye. The Walleye trade a player to Iowa and get ready for a big homestand after Friday night's game in Kalamazoo. The Battle of I-75 Part 3 happens this Saturday at Savage as the men tip off between the two teams. We'll preview that matchup and preview some college basketball from this past week. And Brooke Henderson dominates wire-to-wire at the Hilton Vacation Tournament. The LPGA and PGA are underway. Springs around the corner. Got the baseball schedule. Scott Rowland going into the Hall of Fame. Maybe if I get into the Podcaster Hall of Fame, they would announce it finally that the show is all Andy Alfred. Guess who's back? Oh, and the Alfred. And a shot at a goal. 24 runs in the span of the Shut out. The middle. Hit to a home run. Go Jack. That's way back. Put some extra relish on my hot dog. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Choo-choo, it's time for all and the Alfred. And with that, I say, ah, I love you guys. And welcome into another edition of All Andy Alfred right here on your exclusive home for me. And that is with the Anchor Network. And you are listening to me today on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network. Whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you are listening, wherever, whenever you're listening. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for tuning into the show tonight to give me to hear what is happening in the sports world as well as what's happening in my everyday life. You can always be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at 
All Andy Alford. It is at All Andy Alford, as well as Facebook.com slash All Andy Alford. And welcome you to the show today on this, the 26th day of January 2023. Lots to get into today, of course. I hope you guys are staying warm, staying comfortable. We have a major snowstorm that took place here in the Toledo metro area. Got about four and a half inches on the ground here at, at the studio. Uh, got it all clear. We got it all cleared out. The wife did a great job shoveling, actually. I was very, very shocked she shoveled yesterday. And uh, I came home, and the driveway was pretty much cleared. And all I had to do was put some salt down to make sure that it wouldn't refreeze overnight. It didn't freeze overnight. So we are back in business. I am sitting here in the Man Cave Studios enjoying this Thursday afternoon. Uh, and we're going to break down the big matchup Saturday afternoon at Savage Arena as Bowling Green takes on the University of Toledo Rockets at Savage for the Part 3 of the Battle of I-75. Remember, there's there's six parts to this rivalry because you have the football team, of course, which is the trophy game, of course, but then you also have to figure out, you have it, with them playing the Mid-American Conference, you have women's basketball, men's basketball, and baseball. I consider baseball part of it as well, too, because they play six games against each other, so all those six games will count as one. Part three of this tr- of this Battle of I-75 will take place on Saturday at Savage Arena and we'll, between the two teams, between Bowling Green and Toledo, and we'll dive into that here in just a second. Also, recap the big tournament win for Brooke Henderson in the LPGA. John Rahm, a huge win for him as well in the PGA Tour. We'll talk some golf as well. On the program tonight. Also, we'll hear my preview for the Royal Rumble, which will be taking place this upcoming Saturday night, the 28th, as it will be taking place in San Antonio. You'll hear my three predictions as well as some of the card for that big match is as well. Of course, the jacket re- jacket recap, as well as as a walleye roundup, jacket report, and a walleye roundup on today's program so uh before i get into a lot of this this day today i want to get into a couple topics that were on 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 the agenda for upcoming for housekeeping uh next week's show will be apparently what i was told from my staff is my birthday show because my birthday falls next friday the february 3rd uh we do the show every thursday so we're going to have a special edition of all Andy Alford on Thursday. We'll have some guests on the program. Um, you know, it, it's going to be something else. Uh, uh, we'll recap everything for the games as well and uh, recap and preview the Super Bowl coming up as well. So so there's that little housekeeping on that agenda. Uh, then uh, the report was uh, we are not headed to Arizona this year for the Super Bowl. Uh, we're going to stay back here at, at base camp and we're going to talk about the Super Bowl, but we'll have a correspondent to give us the updates as well as the previews from Super for the Super Bowl out in Glendale. So, uh, nobody heading out for the Super Bowl for us through the Anchor Network. Uh, usually we go out, uh, we'll send the remotes out, we'll send the remote out there to go do the show. And, uh, this year, unfortunately, that's not going to happen this year. Uh, budget cuts as well for the Anchor Network, so there's that for you guys. But uh, we're going to give you a high-quality show for you guys tonight, and we're going to start first and foremost 
with the National Football League as we head into the conference championship weekend. But before we get into that, let's recap the divisional rounds. First and foremost, and we'll start with the two games that took place on Saturday. As the big one was was the Kansas City Jacksonville game, which has a lot of implications now going into this weekend's games in the conference championship. And the the question is, how healthy is Patrick Mahomes? A high ankle sprain occurred to him in the first quarter of the game on Saturday afternoon in Jack at Jacks against Jacksonville at Arrowhead Park. Now, for me, when I heard that injury happen, I immediately thought that Jacksonville's going to win this game. I immediately thought Jacksonville was going to win this game. You take Mahomes out, you you take him out of the equation, and he turn and it turns into it's the backup. And we didn't know. I, I I honestly didn't know who the backup was. Come to find out, it's Chad Henney, the former Michigan quarterback, is the backup to Patrick Mahomes. I couldn't believe it. I, I I honestly couldn't believe it. I was like, I haven't heard that name in so long, so long. But you know, they kept Mahomes off the field. After the injury, they brought in Chad Henney, and Henney did a very, very good job. A very, very good job. Second half comes along, you know. I mean, it's 17-10 to 10 at the break. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, Mahomes, they'll, they'll reassess it. I think, I think Mahomes is done. Henney will have to come out and play the second half. Mahomes comes back out on the field. Battles his way through. Battles his way through. And Tut- and Trevor Lawrence had, I think, a pretty good game. He did throw the one interception, which which cost him at the end of the game. It cost him. But in the end, there's nothing to be negative about with Jacksonville. Jacksonville's got a lot to be happy about. I mean... There, there is a bit of me that said, said, said to some people that I was, I was watching the game with, you know, Jacksonville's play with house money. They're not supposed to be here. They came back from that big deficit against, against the Chargers. So what's to say that they don't rally, they don't rally and beat up on Kansas City, put some, put a shellacking on. They did. They injured him. They injured them. Did damage to Patrick Mahomes. He's not at 100%. But Trevor Lawrence, 24 for 39 for 217 total yards. One TD, one interception. Travis Etienne, 10 carries for 62 yards. One TD in the game for him. You know, and and Jones, five catches for 83 yards. But for Patrick Mahomes, he was 22 for 30 for... 195 yards, two TDs in the game. Two TDs in the game. Chad Henney was 5 for 7 for 23 yards. He had a TD in the game. And drove him down the field. Henney's pretty good. Chetto, 12 carries, 95 yards. Mahomes had three rushes 
for eight yards. But, you know, Travis Kelsey, 14 catches, 98 yards, two TDs. Adele Scandling, one catch, six yards, one TD. You know, it was it was a good game. It honestly was a good game. And, like I said, a lot of us, including me, thought that with Mahomes being injured, I thought that Jacksonville was going to win that football game. And, in the end, they ra- Mahomes... In the magic and the re- legacy of Patrick Mahomes comes back. Now, does this help them going forward with him having that high ankle sprain? We'll dive into that in just a second. But Jacksonville has nothing to hang their head down on. They're nine. They finished nine and eight. They they won their division. They came back, beat up on the Chargers. That rally, that comeback. There's nothing to hang their head on. Nothing to hang their head on. So, Jacksonville falls to Kansas City 27-20. to Now, the nightcap was the Eagles. Now, the Eagles were battling the German, the New York football giants, at Lincoln Financial. Giants coming off the huge win in Minnesota, pulling the upset, deflating Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. And I rode high on the Giants. I told you guys last week I rode high on the Giants because I felt like the Giants was going to be the team that was going to be the surprise. And how I felt, how I felt about the team, and I'll I'll be the first to admit it, how I felt about the team was that there's a possibility that they could be the new Giants from 2007 riding that wave all the way to the Super Bowl. I was... Dead rock. The Eagles came out like Rocky Balboa and just pounded, pounded the Giants. Jalen Hurts, with the injury that he had, I think he's still not at 100%. I think he's like at 85% healthy. But how he performed in this game... You know, and how the Eagles performed in this game, I'll tell you something, folks. When you can pass it, you can catch it, and you can play stellar defense, you are officially Lombardi contenders. And they are Lombardi contenders. They are one win away from playing in the Super Bowl. As they just shellac Brian Dable, Daniel Jones, and Saquon Barkley, and the Dreamin' 38-7. I mean, they were down 28 to nothing at halftime. I was hoping for that 48 in the over-under in that game. And, it, and I, they played each other week 18, and the Giants competed with them with their second strength. And the, and the Eagles were playing with their starters. A lot of us thought that With that encased, there could be a strong, strong, strong possibility that the Giants could upset the Eagles. I was one of them. I believed it. I was dead wrong, ladies and gentlemen. I was dead wrong. I was dead wrong. Jalen Hurts, 16 for 24 for 154 yards, two TDs. In the game for the Eagles. Gadwell, 12 carries, 112 yards, 1 TD. Smith, Devontae Smith from Alabama, 
Six catches, 61 yards, one TD. For the Giants, Daniel Jones, 15 for 27 for 135 yards. He threw one interception. Barkley, nine carries, 61 yards, no TDs. James, seven catches, 51 yards. I mean, it was all dominated by the Eagles. Berta was the eight-yard run. I mean, what else is to just say? The Eagles are the front-runner now for me. The Eagles are the front-runner now. And they, uh, they are going to be the front-runner all the way to when they get to the Super Bowl. They really are. And I, and I told you this earlier in the season that how good the Eagles are. They're just absolutely dominant. Absolutely dominant. But, you know, we shall see. We shall absolutely see. The Eagles beat up on the G-Men 38-7 on Saturday. We get the Sunday slate. Now, I still had my Super Bowl picked to win. The pick to win is, was still in. I had the, the Bills. I had, My prediction at the beginning of the season was Bills, Tampa. Tampa gets eliminated by the Cowboys. And then we'll get to the Cowboys here in just a second. <laughs> but we get to Sunday afternoon slate, and you have Joe Burrow and the Bengals traveling up to Snowy Buffalo and the Bills. And I don't know about you, but I feel like the Buffalo Bills window of winning a Super Bowl has officially slammed shut. I I, I just can't believe how dominant the Bengals were. And a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people were talking about how, you know, they were being disrespected. It was going to be all about, you know, all about Josh Allen and how easy they could beat up on Joe Burrow and the Bengals and this, that, and the other. And, you know, the Bengals are for real. Last year was not a joke, ladies and gentlemen. Last year was not a joke. But the Bengals are for real. Jamar Chase, 28-yard pass from Joe Burrow. It's 7-0 in the first quarter. They were up 14-0 at the end of the first period. After Hayden Hurst's 15-yard pass from Burrow. It's 14-0. Allen with the run. He gets it. It makes it 14-7. But McPherson kicks the field goal. And at the break, it was 17-7. Now, I'm saying to myself, okay, now Buffalo can get the job done. They are a better second-half team, but it was just too much. Mixon with the run, 24-10. And then Pearson kicks the field goal for insurance to make it 27-10. And then the interception at the end of the game just sealed it. And my Super Bowl pick is out. The Buffalo Bills fall to Joey B, Joe Burrow, and the Bengals 27-10. to 10. Unbelievable. And I, 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 I'll eat crow. I, I'll be the first to admit it that I, I thought that, you know, I thought Cincinnati was going to get beat last week, this last week against, against Buffalo. But that was just because of the Super Bowl pick. I feel like Cincinnati has so much more to prove now because of what happened last year in the Super Bowl now 
than any time else. They want to show that they are they are a serious juggernaut, a serious powerhouse in the National Football League. And I got to give credit where credit's due. Cincinnati's coach. Cincinnati's coach has turned this program around. We have said so many years how Cincinnati has just absolutely, you know, part of my language, you know, shit the bed. They get to the wild card round and lose to the wild card round. I think they finally found the right steps. They have found the right steps and the right momentum to do the right thing and to finally win some meaningful football games. And there's they are seriously legitimate contenders to win Lombardi. Now they got a big test in front of and and we'll preview the AFC championship game here in just a second. But this is on Buffalo. McDur- it's on McDermott, it's on Allen. And I, I'll say this. Ever since the Stefan, the, 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 the Von Miller injury and the two other linemen that got injured, Buffalo has not been the same team. They were so dominant in the first half of the season. They have just absolutely fell apart quicker than the sweater that is in my dryer right now. Falling apart. Down the stretch, they did not look good. Sure, the 13-3 mark to finish the season looks great. But the overall goal in Buffalo is to win a championship that they haven't won. So the question is, has the window closed? I believe it has. And I believe it has slammed shut. Is the door open? No. It's locked. But it's but but they've got the key. they have they have the key to open the door to win. It's just plain simple. Allen, 29, 25 for 42, 264, one interception. Rusher, Allen, Jared Allen, eight carries, 26 yards, one TD. Knox, five catches, 65 yards. For Burrow, he was 23 for 36 for 242, two TDs. Joe Mixon, 20 carries, 105 yards, one TD. Jamar Chase, five catches, 61 yards, one TD. And, you know, Buffalo led in time of possession. Uh, Cincinnati led in time of possession, 33 minutes, 54 seconds. The Buffalo's 26 minutes and 6 seconds. Cincinnati had 30 first downs. The Buffalo's 19. Buffalo had one turnover. Cincinnati, none. Cincinnati had 412 total yards of offense. The Buffalo's 325 yards. Tells you right there. Tells you right there. So Cincinnati and Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. We get to the NFC, the final game. And it was Dallas and San Francisco. Two classic rivals battling each other out. At Levi Stadium in, in San Francisco. No Garoppolo. No Lance. It's Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. And all I have to say, all I have to say to you Cowboy fans is this. Do you think McCarthy's the right man for the job? Do you believe that Dak Prescott 
is your quarterback. After the performance he had, Prescott, 23 for 37, two interceptions, one TD, 206 yards. Do you think that he is your quarterback? I don't. I don't. If Pollard didn't get injured in this game, Pollard was hurt. He had he had a great game. Six carries for 22 yards. After his injury, Ezekiel Elliott had to come in. And Zeke don't do shit. Ten carries for only 26 yards. 26 yards on the ground. Unacceptable. CeeDee Lamb is your one receiver, but Dallas doesn't have a two receiver. Because CeeDee Lamb, 10 catches for 117 yards. The next closest guy is Dalton Schultz, who has five catches for 27 yards. That's unacceptable. Unacceptable. But for San Francisco in this game, San Francisco in this game jumped out to the early lead with Robbie solid goal going up with a 3-0. But then Dalton Schultz getting the four-yard pass from Prescott and Mahler again missing an extra point. Was blocked, but he was going to miss that shot, mix that kick. 6-3 Dallas. And it was all on the kicking game in the first half. Goal with two kicks makes it 9-6 at the break. Now, the over-under at that time was 35. I slammed that under. I slammed it at half. I said, this game ain't going. Both defenses have stepped up to the plate. Both, It's going to be a kicking game. It's going to be a low-scoring game. And sure enough, Brett Mahler with a field goal in the third quarter makes it 9-9 at the break. But then Christian McCaffrey stepped up to the plate. This is a big was a big acquisition for San Francisco. He gets the two-yard run. Gold kicks the field goal. It's 16-9. Mahler kicks a 43-yard field goal. It's 16-12. Gold kicks the field goal for the insurance. Makes it 19-12. And then you have the breakdown that was in the, in the last minute of the game. Ezekiel Elliott taking the snap. Being absolutely blown up. Trying to do the hook and ladder play. And, 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 and Dallas, and Dallas, fail again under the bright lights. Again, they fail, they fail again under the bright lights. McCarthy, not the man. Prescott, not the man. The defense is just strong. Zeke Elliott, not a good running back. CeeDee Lamb, great receiver, but who's the second? And again, Dallas can't get over the hump. And I don't I don't want to hear you Cowboy fans say, Well, oh, you know, we didn't have David Pollard playing. We probably would have won the football game. You wouldn't have not won this game. Brock Purdy was absolutely great in this game. He was 19 for 29 for 214 yards. George Kittle alone, that great, my, my wife was watching the game with me. The Kittle catch over the midfield when he bobbled it, used his helmet, and then grabbed it 
My wife actually said that was a great catch. And Amanda usually doesn't, like, like say that something's a great catch. She doesn't. You know, she just sits there on her phone and watches the game because I watch the game. But again, she, she said that was a great catch. Mitchell, 14 carries for 51 yards. As the Cowboys. <laughs> I pose this question again to you Cowboy fans. You still them boys? <laughs> Fall to the 49ers, 19-12. to The possession arrow was in favor of San Francisco at 32 minutes and 53 seconds. Dallas only had the football 27 minutes and 7 seconds. San Francisco, 312 total yards of offense to Dallas, 282. Dallas had two turnovers in the game. San Francisco with one. San Francisco had 21 first downs to Dallas's 15. So I pose that question again. You Cowboy fans, you still them boys? <laughs> so it's now San Francisco versus Philadelphia and Philadelphia and Cincinnati versus Kansas City for the conference championship games, which will happen this weekend. And we're now going to preview. And you'll hear my predictions for the AFC and NFC championship games in the National Football League. Hi, folks. This is Andy Alfred, the host of All Andy Alfred. And when it comes to sports gambling, there is one choice. For yours truly, and that is the Barstool Sportsbook. Yes, the Barstool Sportsbook through Penn National Gaming. They have everything that you desire, whether it be for the National Football League's playoff series, as well as NBA, college basketball, the National Hockey League, and so much more. Whether or not, whether you want to put down as minimum bets as much as a dollar, like yours truly does, or all the way up to five hundred to a thousand dollars, the Barstool Sportsbook is for you. Find the Barstool Sportsbook at your local apps. Also, it is available at the Hollywood Casino in either Columbus or in Toledo, Ohio. Gaming responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-GAMBLER for more information. And please play responsibly. New users for Ohio will get $100 guaranteed on their first bet. And when you look up, refer a friend, look up Andy Alfred for your next bet. On the Barstool Sportsbook. So it's now time to take a look at the the AFC and NFC Conference Championships games right here on All Andy Alford tonight, of course. And we're going to preview those two games. A huge matchup. The first kick off the Conference Championship games as we head into Philadelphia. Philadelphia is the home team, 14-3 overall, takes on... The San Francisco 49ers are 13 and 4. Jalen Hurts so far this season 306 for 480 of 3,071 yard 3,701 yards with 22 touchdowns and six interceptions. Uh, San, it's Christian McCaffrey for the 49ers who's got 159 carries for 76 yards, six TDs. I think the running game is going to be key for San Francisco. The weather conditions in Philadelphia are going to be terrible, they say, on Saturday. They're looking at about 37 and cloudy, but there's a chance of rain. 
The average points in the game, Philadelphia averages about 28 points a game. San Francisco, 26. They allow 17 points per game. Philadelphia only allows 7 points per game this season. So there's that. The, the over-under right now for Philadelphia and San Francisco is at 46.5. Philadelphia is a 2.5-point favorite in this game. Uh, the projection is that Philadelphia's money line money uh, is going into Philadelphia at 65.3% to San Francisco's 34.7%. So if I have to take a game, I think the Eagles overtake San Francisco in the AFC Championship game and punch their ticket to Glendale for the Super Bowl. I think Philadelphia is the right pick for this game. I think Philadelphia is at... I think the over/under at 46 is about right. I don't think I don't think it's going to go over, and I don't think it's going to go under. I think San Francisco, I think Philly and San Francisco will be meeting at probably at that 46 mark, and then we get to the AFC Championship game, which is between the Cincinnati Bengals, who is led by Joe Burrow, and the Cincinnati Bengals taking on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City 14 and 3, the Bengals 12 and 4 overall. Burrow this season 4 for 414 for 606 for 4475 yards, 35 TDs, 12 interceptions. Patrick Mahomes 435 for 648, 5020 250 yards, 41 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Joe Mixon 21 210 carries for 814 yards. He has 7 TDs this year for the Bengals. It is uh, Pacheco, 170 carries, 830 yards, 5 TDs. Travis Kelsey, 110 receptions for 1,338 yards, 12 TDs. Jamar Chase for the Bengals, 87 catches, 1,046 yards, 9 TDs so far this season. If you look at it, the Bengals average about 26 points a game. Kansas City, 29. They Kansas City allows over 20 points a game. The Bengals allow almost 13 points per game 35 degrees cloudy on Sunday evening the line is favored to Kansas City at one the money is going into Kansas City at 65.5 percent to the Bengals 34.5 percent um to be honest with you I don't see it because Patrick Mahomes is injury they don't really talk about it all that. They're not. They're talking about it all that much about his high ankle sprain and everything like that, you know. And that's a that's a serious injury, especially with how dynamic he is as a running quarterback. He's a system quarterback where he can run, pass, and he can make plays, solid plays. It tells me right there, and the, with the line being at Kansas City at one, Kansas City always gets three points at home. So this is really a toss-up game. In my opinion, I feel confident with what I'm about to say. And I'm getting more and more confident each day I'm hearing about Mahomes' injury and all that. I like Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati's for real. I'll take Cincinnati in the plus one. And then I will take I will take the over in that game. I will definitely take the over in that game. I think Cincinnati's for real. 
I think they're going to be a surprise to a lot of people. I think the Mahomes injury is, for certain, something that a lot of people are going to be talking about. I think it's going to play a factor in this game. Somehow, someway. And to me, I, 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 I will take Kansas. I will take Cincinnati and the over at 47 and a half. So to re- preview the championship games. In the NFC, I have Philadelphia. I'm not going to take the over-under in that one. I think that's about right at 46. And then in the AFC, I'll take Cincinnati over Kansas City. And the over at 47.5. I think it's going to be a slugfest between both teams. I think Chad Henney's going to play a, a, a factor in this game. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 I have a strong feeling that Cincinnati's going to pull something out here and pull away with a W to beat Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. Which then would set up for me, Kansas, setting up... Cincinnati versus Philadelphia in the Super Bowl. And it's the best two teams. What what can we say? We have the best four teams, I think, in my opinion, playing in the conference championship game. Even though San Francisco is, a, is somewhat of a surprise for a lot of people, I think if you look at how bad L.A. was this year, Seattle was rough and tumble. Kyler Murray was terrible. And he was out, injured. I just think, you know, the four best teams are playing this weekend that could honestly win Lombardi's Trophy any time this past season. So, we shall see. So that is the prediction. I have the recap preview of the conference championship games. So, again, I have Cincinnati over Kansas City with the over at 47.5. And And then I'll take Philadelphia straight. So Cincinnati versus Philly in Glendale this upcoming February. Take your picks as you want, and we've got all our lines from the Barstool Sportsbook app. You can go down, download the Barstool Sportsbook app for all your betting needs. Uh, got some great parlays and so such, so go take a look at that. As you're listening to All Andy for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. And now it's time to hit the ice. The Jackets were out on the Western Canadian road trip. I was up late with them. It's time for the latest Jackets report. It's time to fire the cannon. And it's time to put on your Jackets. It's time for the Jackets Report, right here on All Andy Alfred. So it's now time for the latest Jackets Report right here on All Andy Alfred tonight. And when we last left you, the Jackets were getting ready for a big two-game homes trip before they made the Western Canadian road trip. They took on the Anaheim Ducks last Thursday night, and the Ducks getting the better of the Jackets. Even though the Jackets jumped out to an early big lead 
in the first period with Olivia getting its third of the season from Robinson and Boquist, making it one nothing CBJ before Jack Roslovic at the 6.05 mark of the first period scores unassisted, beating, beating goaltender uh, Soles, making it 2 nothing Jackets at the 6.05 mark of the first period. Then Nick Blackenberg makes it 3 nothing Jackets, 17.43 mark of the period. And it's 3 nothing Jackets after 20 minutes of play. And then the Ducks came hunting. As they scored three unanswered in the in the second period by themselves. Jumping out to a three, jumping out on the score sheet 22 seconds into the second period. As Henquik getting his 16th from Terry and Lundstrom, making it 3-1 Jackets. Then Cam Fowler, his fifth of the season from Coles and Segris. At the 13.07 mark of the second period, making it a 3-2 game. And then Benoit getting his second of the season from Terry and Adequick at the 15.02 mark, literally two minutes later, on a slap shot, beating goaltender Elvis Merslinkitz, making it a 3-3 game at the break. And then Anaheim puts on the gas as Tyler Segris puts Tiger Segris. Puts it in to the back of the net, making it a 4-3 game from Fowler and Strom. He had the game winner. Jones puts the insurance into the net. His third of the season for Magrin and Lindstrom. 5-3 Anaheim. That was the final. The Jackets fall to the Anaheim Ducks by a score of 5-3. Segrist, the number one star. Fowler, the number two star. Olivier, the number three star. Jackets and Ducks both tied in shots, 33 apiece. The Ducks were better at the faceoff down at 53% to 47%. Both teams 0 for on the power play. Columbus 0 for 1. Anaheim 0 for 3. The Jackets did out-hit the Ducks in the game 20 to 15, but the Ducks out-blocked them 20, 12 to 11 in the game. For the for the Jackets, Elvis Merslink has stopped 28 of 33, save percentage of a point 848 for the Ducks. It was uh, Suarez starting. He stopped 12 of 15, save percentage of a .800. But then John Gibson came in, stopped all 18 shots he faced, and he got he was up 1.0. So the Jackets fall to the Ducks on Thursday, the 19th of January. They then took on the San Jose Sharks on Saturday afternoon at the at the Schwide. And the Sharks jumped out to an early 1-0 lead as Meyer gets his 27th of the season from Gregor and Haley. It was 1-0 Sharks at the 10:49 mark of the first period for Nick Benino getting his 8th of the season into the second period at the 5:39 mark of the period from Strom and Magar. It's 2-0 Sharks before Johnny Gaudreau getting his first power play goal of the season. His 13th goal of the season from Line and Blackbird on the power plate, the 11-19 mark of the second period, making it 2-1 Jackets. And then the captain, Boone Jenner. Some goals make you want to go, Boone! His 12th of the season from Kent Johnson and Gustav Nyquist tying the game at two apiece at the 12-31 mark of the second period. And after 40 minutes, the game was tied at two for Nick Strom getting the goal unassisted at the 153 mark of the third period. Making it 3-2 Jackets, 3-2 Sharks, excuse me, before then Patrick Line at the 3.04 mark of the third period gets his 13th of the season from Roslovic and Goudreau 
tying the game with three apiece, and then Gustav Nyquist getting the game-winning goal at the 12.38 mark of the third period, making it a 4-3 game. Nyquist is 10th from Johnson, his 13th assist, making it a 4-3 Jackets lead. Sean Corrales puts it into the empty net from Blackenburg and Peak at the 18.56 mark of the third period, and the Jackets fire the streamers, so streamers are bet for the winners with a big 5-3 win over the San Jose Sharks. Nyquist, the number one star. Line the number two star. Johnny Gaudreau, the number three star. The Jackets outshot the Sharks in the game 29-25, to 25, but I'll get to why I'm, gonna, I'm a little upset on the shot totals here in just a second. Faceoff dot saw the Jackets leading 53% to 47%. The Jackets were 1-2 for two on the power play. The Sharks 0-1. for one. The Jackets out hitting the Sharks in the game 24-15. to 15. Jackets out blocking, uh, the Sharks out blocking the Jackets 13-1. to one. The Jackets had two, two shots alone in the first period alone to San Jose's 15, but then in the second and third, the Jackets dominated at 15-12 and 12. overall in the game. It was Jonas Corposalo stopping 23 of 25, save percentage of a point, 9-2-0 for the Sharks. It was, it was Kekulin. Stopping 24 of 28, save percentage of a point, 8-5-6. So the Jackets getting a big win, salvaging the home, the quick two-game homestand. And now they traveled out to Western Canada for the big road trip. Now Monday night was a huge game as the Jackets went into Calgary. The first time that Johnny Gaudreau returns to Calgary, the fans booed him every chance they got. he got the puck. They gave him a nice tribute video. You know, they stood up, gave him a standing ovation. But as soon as they put him face on the camera, they absolutely booed him. As the Jackets took on the Flames, the Flames jumped out to an early one nothing lead. As Dumar getting his second from Weger, making it a one nothing Calgary lead at the sixteen eighteen mark of the first period. Nassim Kadri. The acquisition that they made to replace Johnny Gaudreau capitalizes with his 19th of the season from Zamzov and Magnapan, making it a 2-0 game. But then it was Merchenko, his 10th of the season. This kid is a rookie sensation. His 10th of the season on the power play from Gaudreau and Line. It's 2-1 Calgary at the 9:04 mark of the second period. And not even 40 seconds later, Patrick Line again on the power play capitalizes and getting his 14th of the season from Goudreau and and Adam Boquist. It's tied at two on the power play goal for Patrick Line. But then Andrew Magnapan getting his 10th of the season from Backlund and Coleman at the 16-17 mark of the second period, making it a 3-2 game at the break for the for favor of the Calgary Flames. We start off the third period going back and forth on shots, but some goals that make you want to go Boone Jenner getting his 13th of the season from Liney and Gabranson. It's his 8th assist, Liney his 14th assist, tying the game at 3, 4 minutes and 34 seconds into the third period. Jackets tied up, force overtime, and then in overtime, it was Dubé for the Flames, beating goaltender Jonas Corposalo as it was... The Flames getting the better of the Jackets in overtime by a score of 4-3. to three. Magda Pan, the number one star. Johnny Goudreau, the number two star. 
And Mikhail Backlund, the number three star. The Flames outshot the Jackets in the game 49-25. to 58% on the faceoff dot to 42% for the Flames. The Jackets 2 for 4 on the power play. Calgary 0 for 2. The Flames out hitting the Jackets 17-11. to They outblocked the, the Jackets outblocked them 21-12 to in the game. Corpusalo, a great outing for him. 45 of 49, save percentage of a point. 918 for the Flames. It was there. 22 of 25, save percentage of a point. 880. So the Jackets fall in Calgary on Monday night. They headed to Edmonton last night. Big time game again on prime time. Now, I've always said that the Jackets have always played terrible, terrible in prime time. We have to go back to the Buffalo game from earlier this season. They absolutely got schlapped by the Buffalo Sabres. And the Sabres are a good team this year. We'll get into where they rank right now in the standings here in just a second. But going into this game, seeing that it was me on national television, I just knew that this was going to be a blowout game. Uh, but, you know, for me, the Jackets played really, really well. They played, I think, probably some of the best hockey that they played. And the Oilers coming into this game with a six-game winning streak, you knew something was going to be... Something was going to happen. But the Jackets jumped out to an early 1-0 lead as Boone Jenner getting its 14th of the season from Adam Boquist and Patrick Line on a great shot on the tip. As Boquist took the shot from the point, it tipped in. It was off of Jenner. It's 1-0 Jackets at the 12-25 mark of the first period. And after 20 minutes, the Jackets had a you know a comfortable 1-0 lead. But then, not even 10 minutes into the third second period, it was Ryan getting the goal unassisted. Beating Jonas Corposalo. Corposalo looked absolutely brilliant last night. And he deserves to have be the number one. I think he deserves to be the number one goaltender. Not Elvis Merzlinkis right now. I think Corpy, you're right the hand that's helping you out. And Corpy is helping this team out tremendously. But it was Hyman getting a power play goal from McDavid and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Giving it a 2-1 Edmonton lead at the 16-16 mark of the second period. And it was 2-2, 2-1 Edmonton after 40 minutes of play. But then again, this kid, Marchenko, st- stellar. Tying the game, scoring, tying the game at 2-2 at the 11:26 mark of the third period. Getting another point for the Jackets. And then in overtime... The Michigan kid, Kent Johnson, absolutely sends sends the Edmonton crowd in stunned fashion. In stunned fashion, courtesy of TNT on NHL and TNT. Kent Johnson capitalizing on the goal from Goudreau and Gerbranson. Jackets win. Jackets win. Jackets win in overtime by the score of 3-2. Corpusalo, a stellar performance, and he deserves the number one star. Derek Ryan, the number two star. Kent Johnson, the number three star in the game. Edmonton out shooting the Jackets in the game, 36-27. They led in the faceoff dot. 
57% to Columbus's 43%. Edmonton 1-for-1 one one on the power play. Columbus 0-for-2. The Jackets out hitting the Oilers 32-19, out blocking them 24-20. And they have more giveaways, 10 giveaways for the Jackets to Edmonton's 27 and 10 takeaways apiece for both teams. For Corpusalo in the game, he stopped 34 of 36, save percentage of a point, 994. For Skinner, he stopped 24 of 27, save percentage of a point, 889. So the Jackets getting a big win there. They get two, three, four, five, five points in the last three games, helping their case out, in my opinion, to still get the Connor Bernard situation, but the huge win in this Western Canadian trip, the Salvage. Now they have two back-to-back games coming up. It's a Western Canadian slash Northwest trip. As they'll play Vancouver tomorrow night, 10 o'clock puck drop, as it will be Rick Tockett's second game as head coach of the Vancouver Canucks at home. 10 o'clock puck drop for that one. And then on Saturday, as the Seattle Kraken, led by as they are dominating out in the West right now, getting into playoff contention. They will play the Jackets Saturday night, 10 o'clock at Climate Pledge Arena. Our good friend Everett fits you on the call for that one with the Seattle Radio Network as well. The Jackets then will have two days off before their final game of before the All-Star break, which will be on the 31st as they welcome in the Washington Capitals. 7 o'clock puck drop for that one. They'll have a week off to prepare for a back-to-back against the Toronto Maple Leafs on the 10th of February and the 11th of February before they will play New Jersey, Winnipeg at home before heading to Dallas and Arizona. First time that they'll play in Arizona this season. So there is all that for you guys. The Jackets, a huge win for that standing last night around the National Hockey League. The Leafs beat up on the Rangers in overtime by a score of 3-2 to as Mitch Marder heading a Game-winning goal, Ottawa 2-1 win over the Islanders. In overtime, the Hurricanes a 3-2 win over the Stars. The Kraken a 6-1 win over the Vancouver Canucks. Tonight on the docket, the 26th, we'll see Winnipeg hosting Buffalo. Calgary is hosting Chicago. Boston's in Tampa. Detroit is in Montreal. Washington hosting Pittsburgh. You have New Jersey taking on Nashville at Nashville. Philadelphia is in Minnesota to battle the Wild. Colorado hosting Anaheim. And Arizona hosting the St. Louis Blues. The Hockey Night in Canada game, by the way, Saturday will be Winnipeg taking on Philadelphia. You also have Ottawa and Montreal in those games. The Leafs do not play on Hockey Night in Canada this week. They will play Sunday, 5 o'clock, against the Washington Capitals at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto. Looking at the latest news and notes around the National Hockey League, it looks like this. Like I said before, the Bruins are still in the top. Number number one is the Devils' surge at the top three. The power rankings in the National Hockey League. The Stadium Series jerseys have been released. It will be the it will be uh, Carolina and Washington in the Stadium Series game. It's going to be played at North Carolina State University. The Hurricanes are going to be wearing a black jersey with red. Uh, Washington in white with the alternative logo for the Washington Capitals, which is the the bird, the eagle. Um, looking at it right here. It looks like Alexander Carrier will be out four to six weeks with an upper body injury from the Nashville Predators. 
Um, Matt Nico and Ryan McKay were traded to Colorado by the San Jose Sharks on Wednesday afternoon. The Sharks received Kuit and McDonald for forward for the forward and defenseman in that trade. Uh, the All-Star game has been set. Um, oh, unfortunately, too, also Bob Jones has been diagnosed with ALS, the assistant coach of the Ottawa Senators, so our thoughts and prayers are with him. Uh, the All-Star game is getting ready to be taking place next week, which will be the weekend of uh, February 3rd and 4th, and it will be taking place in Sunrise, Florida. But that all set in mind, we have the standings going forward into tonight's play. In the Atlantic Division, it is led by the Boston Bruins, who are 38-5-4 with 80 points. They're running away with the Atlantic Division and running away with the President's Trophy, in my opinion. Toronto's in second at 30-11-8 with 68 points. Tampa, 30-15-1 with 61 points. Metropolitan Division looks like this. Carolina, the top spot at 39-8 with 68 points. The Devils, 31-12-4 with 66 points. The Rangers, 26-14-8 with 60 points. Wildcard standings look like this. Pittsburgh in the top spot, wildcard spot at 24-15-8 with 56 points. Washington, 25-19-6 with 56 points. On the outside looking in are the Buffalo Sabres at 25-19-3 with 53 points. Florida, 23-21-6 with 52 points. The Islanders, 23-22-5 with 51 points. The Red Wings, 20-18-8 with 48 points. Philadelphia, 20-21-8. With 48 points. The Ottawa Senators 21, 23, and 5 with 45 points. Montreal 20, 25, and 3 with 43 points. And our Columbus Blue Jackets in last place in the Eastern Conference at 15, 30, and 3 with 33 points. They are 10 points off from the Montreal Canadiens and 12 points out from the Ottawa Senators. Long season to go. Very long season. Western Conference looks like this. Dallas, top spot in the Central Division at 28-13-9 with 65 points. Winnipeg, 31-17-1 with 63 points. Colorado, 26-17-3 with 55 points. The Pacific Division, led by the Seattle Kraken, who are 28-14-5 with 61 points. Vegas right there at 29-17-3 with 61 points. Seattle has two games at hand. They've played 47. Vegas has played 49 LA has played 50 games. They are 27, 17, and 6 with 60 points. Wildcard standings with the loss last night. The Edmonton Oilers are 29, 18, and 4 with 58 points. Calgary 23, 16, and 9 with 55 points. On the outside looking in are the Minnesota Wild at 25, 17, and 4 with 54 points. Nashville 23, 18, and 6 with 52 points. St. Louis 40, 23, 22, and 3 with 49 points. Vancouver 19, 26, Three and three with 41 points. So the Jackets looking to get ahead of them, get some points from them as they're bringing in, like I said, Rick Tockett in their who head coach. <clears throat> Excuse me. San Jose 14, 25, and 10 with 38 points. Arizona 15, 28, and 5 with 35 points. Anaheim 14, 20, 29, and 5 with 33 points. And the Chicago Blackhawks are 14, 28, and 4 with 32 points. The Chicago Blackhawks are the worst team point-wise and win-wise in the National Hockey League. So that is the latest Jackets report. Jackets will take on Vancouver tomorrow night, the 27th of January, 10 o'clock puck drop, before they take on the Seattle Kraken on Saturday. 10 o'clock puck drop for that one. And then they'll return back home on the 31st, Tuesday, for the final game before the All-Star break as they'll take on 
the Washington Capitals at the Schweiz. 7 o'clock puck drop for that one. As you're listening to all Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. And let's talk. continue talking hockey. Let's hit the pond and let's talk some walleye hockey. It's time to hit the pond. It's time for the Walleye Roundup right here on All Andy Alfred. So it's now time for the latest Walleye Roundup right here on All Andy Alfred today as the Walleye getting ready to return back home on Saturday and Sunday after a long road, four-game road trip. Well, we'll start off with last Thursday as Orlando took on Greenville in the ECHL and Orlando a big 5-3 win. Saturday slate, um, excuse me, Friday slate looked like this. India 6-0 win over, uh, over Cincinnati. South Carolina 6-3 win over Jacksonville. Kalamazoo a 3-1 win over Fort Wayne. The Reading Royals a 5-3 win over the Norfolk Admirals. Travolta Lions fall to the Adirondack Thunder 6-3. Newfoundland beats up on Wooster 3-2. Savannah falls to the Florida Everblades by a score of 9-4. Utah 1-0 win over Tulsa. Wichita 3-1 win over Allen. And Rapid City falls to Idaho by a score of 7-1. The Fish were in Corville, Iowa at the Xtreme Arena as they took on the Iowa Heartlanders for three straight days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And the Fish jumped out to an early win on Friday night with a big 6-1 win over the Iowa Heartlanders at the arena. It was Schultz getting his seventh of the season from Kurt and Meyer jumping out to an early 1-0 lead at the 2:31 mark of the first period. And then in the 13:02 mark of the period, uh, Riley McCord getting his third of the season from Schwartz and Despringo, making it 2-0 Fish before Iowa's Sanchez getting his sixth of the season from Wells and Hansen at the 18-11 mark of the period, cutting the deficit to one. It was 2-1 after 20 minutes of play. Then Colin Keenan getting his fourth of the season from Hurd and Meyer as it was his fourth of the season, making it a 3-1 game. Then Kurt getting his third of the season from Hurd and Meyer on the power play at the 13-34 mark of the period, getting his making it a 4-1 game. And then Thomas Evan getting his 11th of the season from Kirk and Hurd, making it a 5-1 game after 40 minutes of play. And then Ryland McCord puts the dagger in and twists it as McCord gets his 4th of the season from Gordy Green and Trevor Bliss, making it a 6-1 game. That was the final on Friday night in front of a solid 2,140 people crowd of 2 hours and 16 minutes as the Fish getting a 6-1 win. In Iowa, Meyer, the number three star, star, Kirk, the number two star, Kirkie, the number two star, and Riley McCord, the number one star, as he had two goals in the game, his third and fourth of the season, as Lenton gets stops 27 to 28, save percentage of a point nine seven five, uh, capacity the loss, he stopped 28 of 33 before being pulled, allowing five goals in the game, save percentage of a point seven nine five. So the Walleye getting a big six one win on. 
Friday night. They then Saturday took on the same Iowa Heartlander team as they shut out the Heartlanders by a score of 5 to nothing. And looking at the score sheet in this game, it was Mitchell Hurd getting his 12th of the season from Lowney and Tanevendike making it a one nothing game. Hurd his 12th of the season before Brandon Hawkins in the same period getting his 13th of the season from Gordy Green. Making it a 2 0 fish lead. Then Tenevic gets his third of the season from Keenan and Hurd. Making it 3 0 fish after 20 minutes of play. Gordy Green gets his 15th of the season from Hawkins and Bliss on the power play in the second period, making it a 4 0 game. And then in the third period, Green puts an unassisted goal by himself in his 11, at the 11.58 mark of the third period, making it his 16th of the season, making it 5 0 fish. The fish then. Got a penalty shot awarded to them as Andrew Schultz getting his face Trevor Trevin Golson in the third period at the 18:42 mark of the period was hauled down took a penalty shot could not capitalize but it was just enough the fish out shooting Iowa in the game 32 to 23 with a five nothing win Sebastian Costa getting the number two star his first professional shutout. Toledo 1 for 2 on the power play. Iowa 0 for 4 as only 2,011 people were in attendance. Heard the number 3 star. Kosa the number 2 star. Gordy Green the number 1 star in the game. Kosa a perfect getting a shutout. It was uh, Kolsik stopping 27 of 32 in the game. His state percentage of a point eight nine five. Excuse me. 8, 7, 8, 6, 5 in the game. Looking at scores from around the East Coast League on Saturday, running a 5-1 win over Norfolk, South Carolina a 4-2 win over Atlanta, Newfoundland falls to Adirondack, uh, getting shut out 5-0, Savannah falls to Florida 6-2, in overtime, Kalamazoo a 3-2 win over the Wheeling Nailers, Greenville a 6-3 win over Orlando, the Maine Mariners a 3-1 win over Wooster, Indy gets a 4-2 win over the Fort Wayne Comets, Tulsa a 5-2 win over Utah, Kansas City falls to Wichita 7-1, and Rapid City, a 5-4 win over the Idaho Steelheads. And then Sunday, saw the Fish back in Iowa for the final game of the series. And they pounded out the Heartlanders by a score of 5-1. Keenan getting his fifth of the season from Telefant and record, making it a 1-0 game. After 20 minutes of play, Keenan his fifth of the season at the 3:43 mark of the first period. In the second period, Brandon Hawkins getting his 14th from McCord and Telefant on the power play. It's 2-0, Fish. At the 18-12 mark of the second period. And then in the third period, Keenan getting his his half second of the game. His sixth of the season from Hurd and Televent. Making it a 3-0 game. Iowa's Hanson getting his first of the season from Mira and Bozeman. At the 9-16 mark of the period, making it 3-1. Hawkins getting his 15th, his second of the night from Bliss. At the 14-14 mark of the third period. And Colin Keenan getting his third of the game. A hat trick for Colin Keenan. From Lowney and Hurd, making it 5-1. The Fish finish it out with a 5-1 win. They out were outshot by Iowa in the game, 45-36. to Toledo 1 for 4 on the power play. Iowa 0 for 3 in front of 1,520. Game time, 2 hours and 23 minutes took to play the game. Hanson, the number 3 star. Keenan, the number 2 star. Lettinen, the number 1 star, as he stopped 44-45. Point save percentage of the .975. Kopetsky's the loss. He stopped 31 of 36. Save percentage of the point, 895. So the Fish getting a big win there. 5-1 win. They outscored the Heartlanders in the three games, 16-2. As the Fish getting a big win. Six points out of the six points that they needed. 
out of Iowa, and they come back to the Great Lakes region this weekend. Newfoundland, a 6-4 win over Anirondack. It was Wheeling on Sunday, a 3-1 win over Indy. Cincinnati, a 6-2 win over Kalamazoo. Orlando beats up on the Florida Everblades by a score of 2-1. Jacksonville, a 5-4 win over South Carolina. Booster, a 3-2 win over the, over the Lions of Travolse. Allen, a 5-4 win over the Kansas City Mavericks. And Utah, a 4-1 win over the Tulsa Oilers. Uh, on Wednesday, this past yesterday evening, Wednesday, Reading a 3-1 win over the Lions of Travolse. In, over, in a shootout, Greenville a 4-3 win over Atlanta. South Carolina falls to, F, to Florida by a score of 3-2. Newfoundland played Cincinnati in Cincinnati, and Newfoundland shellacked the Cyclones by a score of 6-1. The Allen Americans a 3-2 win over Kansas City. Wichita falls to Idaho 4-1, and Utah 3-1 win over the Rapid City Rush. Tonight, the 26th, we'll see the Savannah Ghost Pirates in Orlando, the Battle of the Solar Bears, 7 o'clock puck drop for that one. This weekend series looks like this. Friday, we'll have the Lions of Travolta in Adirondack, the Battle of the Thunder. Jacksonville is in Indy. You have Redding in Worcester. Norfolk is in Maine. South Carolina is in Florida, the Battle of the Everblades. Savannah is hosting the Solar Bears. Newfoundland is in Cincinnati for a second night on Friday night to take on the Cyclones. Tulsa is in Allen. Fort Wayne is in Iowa. Wheeling is in Kansas City. It will be Idaho taking on at home against Wichita, and Utah is in Rapid City to battle the rush. The walleye hit the road. They'll be in the Wings Event Center on Friday night, 7 o'clock puck drop, as they'll take on the Kalamazoo Wings, 7 o'clock drop for that one. Saturday, the 28th, sees Norfolk in Maine at 6 o'clock. The Lions are in Adirondack to battle the Thunder. South Carolina in Florida. Jacksonville is in Indy to battle the Fuel. Wooster's in Redding to battle the Royals. Savannah's in Greenville to battle the Swamp Rabbits. You have Newfoundland for the third night in a row playing the Cyclones. 735 puck drop for that one. Tulsa is in Allen. Fort Wayne is in Iowa. Wheeling is in Kansas City. Utah is hosting Rapid City. And Idaho is taking Wichita. The Walleye will take on Kalamazoo at the Bank Tank. 715 puck drop for that one at the Huntington Center on Saturday night, the first return for the Fish. And then Sunday sees Atlanta in Orlando. The Lions hosting Adirondack. Indy is in Kalamazoo. Norfolk is in Maine. Fort Wayne finishes up their three-game stint in Iowa. Tulsa hosts Allen. And the final game, 5-15 puck drop as Cincinnati travels to Toledo the Battle, the Walleye 5-15 puck drop at the Bank Tank for that one. On the 29th. So the fish. Big games for the fish coming forward. Looking at the standings going into today's play. It looks like this. We'll look at the central division first and foremost. It's Indianapolis holding the top spot at 27-11. 1-0 with 55 points. Cincinnati is 21-19. 21-9-4-2 with 48 points. Wheeling uh, Toledo is in third position. At 20-14-4-1 with 45 points. Wheeling the fourth spot at 18-16-4-0 with 40 points. Kalamazoo on the outside looking into the playoff spot at 17-17-3-0 with 37 points. Fort Wayne 15-14-4-2 with 36 points. And the Iowa Heartlanders are 7-28-1 with 23 points. In the Mountain Division sees Idaho in the top spot at 37-0-1 with 61 points. Wichita 23-14-3-0 with 49 points. Rapid City 20-19-1-0 with 41 points. Kansas City 16-15-5-0 with 37 points. Utah 17-21-0 with 35 points. 
You have the Allen Americans at 16, 21 and 0 with 33 points. And the Tulsa Oilers are 12, 17, 6 and 1 with 31 points. In the North Division, in the Eastern Conference, Newfoundland holds the top spot at 28, 10, 1 and 0 with 57 points. Reading is 25, 11, 1 and 0 with 51 points. The Maine Mariners 22, 11, 1 and 1 with 46 points. The Rooster Railers are 2017, 3 and 0 with 43 points. The Lions of Travos, 14, 22, 2 and 0 with 30 points. Uh, Adirondack is 12, 18, 5 and 1 with 30 points. And the Norfolk Admirals are 6, 29, 1 and 2 with only 15 points this season. In the South, it's pretty much a, a it's pretty much a damaging run for everybody in that division. Anybody can win that division. Right now, because Florida is 24-9, 3-2 with 53 points. South Carolina, 23-9, 3-1 with 50 points. Greenville, 21-11, 7-0 with 49 points. Atlanta, 22 14-3-1 with 48 points. Jacksonville, 23-13, 1-0-with 47 points. Orlando, 18-17, 4-1-with 41 points. And Savannah, 11-27-0-with 29 points. Savannah's not... It's the only team out of that. So in the worst team in the East Coast League is the Norfolk Admirals at 629-7-1 with 15 points. Second is Iowa at 728-1 with 23 points. And then... Yeah, that's pretty much... That's pretty much it. Then Savannah, 11-27-0 with 29 points are the... And then you have Tulsa is at... 12, 17, 6, and 1 with 31 points so far. So there's that for you guys today as the news and notes from around the East Coast League are coming in today. Nothing new. The transactions for Wednesday as follows. It looks like... Uh, uh, the bad news is that Max Milosic has been released from the contract from the Fort Wayne Comets. He's been released. Uh, Fort Wayne has added Garrett Vanderweil forward from Bakersfield and they added Derek DeBleek signed from Bakersfield. They've also deleted Philip Regras recalled by Bakersfield as well. Uh, Toledo has traded Tommy Perrin to Iowa for future considerations. And by the way, with the Iowa situation with that, wanted to make a uh, clenching of this. Uh, Fort Wayne actually has released Connor Jean. And Iowa Iowa has claimed Dylan Sadaway forward from Tulsa. So could Sadaway come back to Toledo? We, we shall see. We shall see. I think that's the move that they're going to make. I think that's the play that they're going to make. Make, but we'll see. That's the consideration. Dylan Salloway coming back. I mean, I could see that happening. See that happening. So Panarin, Perrin gone, traded to Iowa. Uh, Tulsa has added Tag Bertuzzi to the active roster, traded from Norfolk. That's, that's going to be interesting. That's going to be an interesting move right there. Interesting to say the least. Um, anything else? Like I said, Matt Malozic traded it. Uh, Dylan Salway was released by Tulsa, picked up by Iowa, and Iowa picked up 
to Tommy Perrin. So I think Sadaway to, to the walleye sounds like it's going to happen. Sounds like it's going to happen, so we'll see. And that is the walleye roundup right here on All Andy for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's talk some other sports. College basketball, the Battle of I-75 happening this past this upcoming weekend, as well as John Rock getting the big win, but Brooke winning with Taylor Made and winning at the Hilt. And it's time for the Rumble, my friends. Time to talk some other sports right here on All Andy Elford. Of course, we're getting ready for the big part three of the Mid- of the Battle of I-75 as the Mid-American Conference basketball season is underway as Bowling Green travels to Savage Arena this Saturday, 2 o'clock tip, as Michael Huger will take on Todd Kowalczyk and the University of Toledo Rockets. The Rockets are 14-6 and six overall. They'll battle Michael Huger's Bowling Green Falcons, who are 10 in 10 overall this season uh, at Savage Arena for BG. It'll be Ayers is the player to watch out for. He averages about six, 18 points a game. Rachel Davis averages about 18.4 points a game. Uh, reading rebounders, we have Rashad Age averaging about six rebounds a game. Uh, Sequan Miller also to watch as well. In the assist region, it's going to be Ray J. Dennis, who averages five assists a game. Samuel Curtis averages about 4.3 in the game. Uh, average The Rockets average about 84 points, 85 points a game. They average up against at 78 points a game. The, the Falcons average 78.2%, 78.2 points, but they allow 76.4 points. Their field goal percentage, the Falcons 45% to Toledo's 48% in their games. The Rockets have won their last four. BG has won their last two with their big win against Central Michigan this past week. The Rockets, a huge win over, come from behind win against Eastern Michigan this past weekend. That'll be a 2 o'clock tip on ESPN3 at Savage Arena. And like I said, the Rockets coming off an 84-79 win. Um, 84-79 win over Eastern Michigan as it was Eastern Michigan... Uh, uh, Devon, Abani Bates, who absolutely just tore up the Rockets, had 43 points in the game. He was 15 for 23, 4 for 4 from field goal range. Uh, JT Schumann had 20 points. He was 14 for, four for four, 12 from field goal range. The Rockets win 84-79 over Eastern Michigan, with, and they approved to 14-6. and six. Eastern Michigan with losses now 4-16 and 16 overall this season. Bowling Green traveled to Central Michigan, and Leon Ayers had 24 points for Bowling Green. He was 8 for 12 from field goal range. He dropped pretty big. He uh, The Falcons dominated this game. They were up 52-23 at half. They cruised to an 83-61 win overall over Central Michigan, and they are now at 500 at 10-10. Central Michigan is 7-13 overall. Other games around the Mid-American Conference, Akron, a 73-68 win over Miami of Ohio. Buffalo, a 91-65 win over Ball State. Ohio, an 88-76 win over Western Michigan. And NIU, an 86-76 win over Kent State. Friday, we'll see Buffalo traveling to Kent State. A big matchup on ESPNU, 9 o'clock tip. Buffalo, 10-10. Kent State, 16-4. And And then the big slate on Saturday, besides Bowling Green and Toledo at 2 at 2 o'clock, Ohio travels to Akron. Eastern is at Miami of Ohio. Ball State travels to Northern Illinois. 
and Western battle Central at the tip. And then next Tuesday, the 31st, Toledo is at Miami of Ohio. Ball State travels to Bowling Green. Look at the rest of the top 25 happening games happening tonight. Uh, Middle Tennessee State travels to 21st-ranked Florida Atlantic University. 7 o'clock kicks on, on CBS Sports Network. For that one, FAU, nine-point favorite in that one. Number one-ranked Purdue, 19-1 overall, travels to Chrysler Arena, the Battle of the Michigan Wolverine, to our 11-8. 9 o'clock tip on FS1. UCLA, 17-3, travels to USC, who's 14-6. 9 o'clock tip on ESPN2 for that one. And sixth-ranked Arizona travels to Washington State, 11 o'clock tip on FS1. Arizona, 17-3 overall, Washington State, 9-12 overall. Arizona, five-point favorite, by the way, in that game so there is that mid-american conference women's side of the thing of of the slate in the mid-american conference for you guys today as last night buffalo loses to bowling green by a score of 64 61 the rockets a big 82 63 win over miami of ohio on saturday the 28th toledo will travel to eastern for a one o'clock tip on espn3 bowling green travels to northern illinois the Battle of the Huskies, 2 o'clock tip for that one on ESPN3. Buffalo hosts, goes on the road to go play Akron. Kent State hosts Western Michigan. Miami of Ohio battles Central. And Ball State travels to Athens, the Battle of the Ohio Bobcats. So there is that for you guys. Uh, time to dive into some golf, of course. Let's dive, start with the men's side of things. As John Rahm getting the huge win last week in the American Express. Shooting 27 under par, he earns 1.4 million dollars. Davis Johnson shoots ties for sec. It gets second at 26 under. Xander Shaffley 25 under. Uh, Chris Kirk 25 under, and Taylor Montgomery finishes in fifth at 24 under par. They are having the Farmers Insurance Open right now. That's taking place in La Jolla, California. Brett Grant nine under par. Sam Schneider also nine under par as well too. Brendan Steele eight under par. Uh, Aaron Ram, 6 under par. Justin Thomas, 6 under par as well as the tournament is taking place right now. Uh, Colin Morikawa tied for 4th at 6 under par as well too. Uh, Will Zalvatoris, 5 under par, tied for 12th. Just looking at some of the big players. Uh, Gary Woodland, 4 under par, tied for 21st. Uh, Jason Day, 4 under par, tied for 21st. Uh, let's see here. Hideki Matsuyama. Three under par, tied for 32nd. And looking for, for the projected cut is one under par right now. So players at even par right now. Danger Shoffley is at even par. Uh, John Rahm is at even par right now. See, Ricky Fowler is at one over tie for 109th. Harrington, one over par, tie for 109th. Tony Finau, two over par, tie for 124th. And don't see him. They were talking about Rory McElroy on here. Justin Rose, tie for 60, 62nd at one under par. I don't think he's 
is he playing? Yeah, he must not be playing in this tournament. So Farmers Insurance Open taking place out there so far in the tournament play. Tournament play. Live Tour getting ready to start on the 24th of February out there in Saudi Arabia. Uh, but the big one for me was this past weekend, the LPGA back into the swing of things. They had their big tournament this past last weekend, the first tournament of the season, which is the Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament. And Brooke Henderson goes wire to wire, shooting 16 under par for the tournament. She had a great outing for her. And she is now the new face of TaylorMade as well, too, playing with TaylorMade clubs. Love to see that. Brooks' scorecard on on Sunday. She shot a birdie on the second. Pars 1, 3, 4, 5. Bogies at 6. Pars at 7, 8. Birdies at 9 for a front 9 of 35. On the back 9, she pars 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14. Birdies at 15. Pars 16, 17. And pars at 18 for a 35, 70 on the back 9. She shoots 16 under par for the tournament. She had a great... Round two, I think. The round two was the best, where she strung four straight birdies at one, two, three, four, uh, two, three, four, and five to get her to nine under par, and she ran away with the tournament, and Brooke is the winner of the Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament. Um, yeah, Stark finishes tie for second with Charlie Hull at 12 under par. Nellie Corda finishes 11 under par at fourth. Nasa Hadakoro finishes at nine under par. Paula Ritu at eight under par. Yuka Sasso tied for six with Paula at eight under par. Same with Gabby Lopez in Leon at eight under par. Leon McGuire finishes tied for ninth at six under par with Budai, who's six under par too. Dijon did five under par as well too. Rhino two of four under par as well too. Tied for twelfth with Anna Norquist and Danielle Kang at four under par as well. Fifteenth was Wing Lin Hughes, three under par. Jennifer Cupcho tied for sixteenth with Dryberg. Uh Anatanikat. One under par, tied for 18th with Firu, as well as Joey Enor standoff at one under par. Uh, Sasa, 21st. Mira Alex, 21st. Uh, uh, Holtzik, 21st. Kastrin at even par, tied for 21st, two. Uh, Ali Ewing at one over par. Celine Boutier at two over par. Andrea Lee at three over par at 27th. And Jajungan at 21 over. And there are only 29 players that will pl- that played in the Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament, but Brooke gets the win, 16 under par. She finishes at 272 in total. So after this tournament, they'll have a break. They'll head over to Thailand, February 23rd through the 26th as the Honda LPGA Thailand Tournament before they go to Singapore on March 2nd through the 5th in the HBCU Women's World Championship. And they'll play the Blue Bay LPGA in the People's Republic of China on March 9th through the 12th. They'll have a week off before they drive for the drive-on championship begins again March 23rd through the 26th at Golden Canyon, Arizona. And they'll begin the trek around the U.S. Again, I'll make mention of this. July 13th through the 16th is the Greater Toledo LPGA Classic that will take place at Highland Meadows Golf Course in Sylvania, Ohio. The week before is the U.S. Women's Open, presented by Prometica. That will be played at Pebble Beach. And then in between the U.S. Women's Open is the LP, the Toledo Open, LPGA Open, and then you have the Dow Great Lakes Invitational, and then you have the Evian in France. So, And then the Women's Open over in England, 
And then August 24th through the 27th is the British Columbia Open. And then Labor Day weekend is the Queen Cities Championship in in Cincinnati, Ohio, for the Solheim Cup, which is September 22nd and the 24th. The LPGA back into the swing of things. And congratulations to Brooke. She is the winner of the Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament, as well as picking up a big endorsement with her and Nelly Cornable, endorsed by TaylorMade Golf. That was a huge signing for both, for both players going forward. Also, got to make mention of this. Two things to go on before we hit to Andy Rance. Uh, tomorrow night, Friday night, the 27th of January, if you are not doing anything, I would suggest heading down to Bowling Green. BGSU's ice hockey team is taking an exhibition game against the, against the men's under-18 U.S. team. I'm half tempted to go to this, and I'm thinking about going to this because of the fact that a lot of these players are in consideration of being drafted in the National Hockey League. And it is... It is a team that you want to watch because it is the future on the ice. It's the U.S. Hockey Developmental Team. The developmental team playing against Bowling Green. Tickets are $5 for this game. $5. This is a this is something to I'm researching it right now, pulling trying to pull you up a, a roster really quick here. Uh yeah, it's U.S. Uh, National Developmental Team. It's an exhibition game, 707 puck drop. And looking it up really quickly, make sure that the it was what I was reading that the tickets are five dollars a piece. If I was not reading, if I was reading it right, yeah, it's general mission five dollars in general mission. It's five dollars all the way around the rink for this exhibition game. Against the national team. Because they won't return. They'll return home next weekend to play Ferris State. The third and fourth. The teddy bear toss is that Saturday. And then they will then be at Michigan Tech the following week. And by the way, BG's record so far this year in hockey. They're a really good record. They're 14-13-1 in the CCHA. Right now, the standings look like this. Bowling Green, top spot, 20 games played. They're 11-8-1 in CCHA play. Uh, Minnesota State is 11-6-1 as well with 35 points. Uh, Michigan Tech is at 9-5-4 not at with 32 points. Bemidji State 
is in fourth. Ferris State, fifth. Northern Michigan is sixth. Uh, St. Francis is seventh. And Lake Superior is eighth. So those are, this is a big game. It's an exhibition game. Does not count towards the CCHA. But this is a big game if you're looking at development for the kids going forward and looking at the development of the the game of the NA of the of the uh, of the team so yeah it, it it's uh Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. It'll be interesting to get go to that. Uh, also, this Saturday, the twenty eighth is the big wrestling event. Of course, last night was AEW Dynamite, and it was a great ending. Jay Lethal taking on Mark Briscoe was a great ending to that match. Also, got a chance to watch. So I watched AEW last night. Brian Danielson versus Brian Cage was really good. Thought that was a really good match. Was seeing MJF trying to hurt Brian Danielson all that much. I thought the Darby Allen match was really good. Um, I like my favorite thing that I like, though. I mean, this whole Tony Storm situation is just getting out of hand. I I, I thought the Tony Storm Ruby Soho match was probably one of the best matches of the night. Uh, it was worth the full two segments that they've had, and uh, you know, I I I, I think it's an you know, it's a good precursor. Now, Monday Night Raw had the 30th anniversary of Monday Night Raw. I enjoyed it watching Hogan coming out first and introducing Monday Night Raw, doing the Monday Night Raw bit and everything like that. Um, this whole Tribal Chief with the, with Sami Zayn and stuff like that, I thought that was pretty awesome to see and see that performed really well. Let's see Jey Uso standing up for Sami. Paul Heyman selling out Sami. Oh, what was else? Uh, I was very, very upset that the Bailey-Becky Lynch match didn't take place. Um, Brock Lesnar coming out during Bobby Lashley and Austin Theory's match was a surprise. Um, what else? What else is there? Uh, you had DX come out and Imperium interrupting it uh, with Seth Rollins and the Street Profits having the match with them. I thought that was really, really well done. Uh, I thought Raw 30 was pretty good. Uh, it wasn't the best, but I thought it was good. If the whole weekend, I would a whole week so far wrestling bearing into Friday Night SmackDown, which will be tomorrow night from Laredo, Texas. I think, in my opinion, the best was AEW last night with that Mark Briscoe, Mark Briscoe, Jay Lethal match. I look forward to seeing what Rampage is going to offer on tomorrow night as well as Friday Night SmackDown. But Saturday is the big one. It is the Royal Rumble match. We know three big matches taking place in the two Rumble matches. Uh, Kevin Owens taking on Roman Reigns in the Undisputed match. I think Roman gets the job done in this, but I I, I think you're going to see Sammy turn on Roman and not do the final challenge. I think this is when you're going to see Sammy enter into the Rumble and honestly, you know, shock a little bit, a little bit, and I'll get to that here in just a second. Uh, Bianca versus Alexa Bliss. Uh, I got to give the belt back to Bianca. I think Alexa Bliss's ego and everything like that is going to be difficult to understand and under change. I think that's going to be it's going to fog everybody's decision. Um, this pitch black match with Bray Wyatt and LA Knight. 
I think with all the characters that Bray Wyatt has, it's all going to play into factor. I think L.A. Knight is a good wrestler, but I don't think he gets the job done. I was That was one of my favorite bits was L.A. Knight with The Undertaker, who is the American badass, comes out. I love seeing that. It's one of my favorite characters that The Undertaker did. I will always love The Undertaker, but The American badass during that time frame was awesome. You know, he gave him the... Chokeslammed him. I wish he would have gave him the, the, the last ride, like how the American Badass used to do it. That would have been awesome. But I was wondering what Undertaker said to Bray Wyatt as he was walking out. So, there's that. But I think uh, I think LA Knight gets the job done against Bray Wyatt. I really do. Um, for the ma- two matches, the Rumble, we'll start with the women. The front runner right now is Rhea Ripley. I think Rhea is the best that to win it. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if I see see like um Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to probably take Freya. I mean it, it looks like that's how it's gonna shape up. Like mommy's gonna win it. Rhea Ripley's gonna win it. That's what they call the nickname is mommy because of she and Dominic Mysterio and all that. For the men's side, there's three surprises I think out of this. One, you're going to see John Cena come back. I think Randy Orton comes back in this too. We haven't talked about the Randy Orton situation with him being injured and he's been out for a while. I think he could come back. I mean, you're going to have Edge Bay there too. Um, I don't believe the Rock situation. Brock Lesnar sounds like it could be in, be in this one too. Uh, but to win it... I think Cody Rhodes wins it. I think I don't see Cody come. Everybody's saying Cody's coming in at two or three and anything like that. I see him coming in later. I see him coming in around twenty five, twenty six. I think the match goes on and people are going to get impatient. Patient, you're going to see a lot of big card guys come in, and then you're going to see Cody Rhodes come in, and he's going to come in at twenty five or twenty six and win the whole damn thing. So I have Cody and Rhea. I have Roman winning. I think Cody then asks Roman to fight him for the WWE Championship, which opens up the Universal Championship, which then opens up the opportunity for The Rock to come in and wrestle at WrestleMania in Hollywood for the Universal Championship. So I see. I see it. And that is some other sports and other news right here. On All Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And now it's time to hit the end of our program tonight. It's now time for Andy Rants. So it's now time for Andy Rants tonight, and I want to thank you so much for tuning into the podcast tonight. And if you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, then hit the subscribe button. We do podcasts each week right here on All Andy Elford. And again, uh, programming note, next Thursday's edition of All Andy Elford is the birthday edition of the program as they have it all planned out for me on the anchor network i don't know what's going to happen we're going to see how it's all going to shake out i'm going to have some special guests we'll recap the jackets final road uh final games before the all-star break we won't have a, a hockey to talk about the following week because the all-star break will be taking place but we'll have the walleye of course uh we'll also have the divisional uh the conference championship games as well as some other sports to talk about as well as special guests 
on the program for that. So uh, it's time for Andy Rance tonight, and I want to talk about what's happening with this, with this country and with this world really quickly. Um, I don't think people understand what's really going to happen here in the next few months. Um, as we know that the, I don't like talking politics here on all Andy Alford, but uh, you know we are hitting the debt ceiling, and you know the Treasury Department has, you know, taken extraordinary measures to do such things, to make sure that we don't default on our credit in this country. My biggest fear is that we're going to default, and that's going to turn us into this recession. So I ask people, I'm asking you, the listeners, to Think about your purchases for the next few weeks. Do you really need it? Do you absolutely need it? Because it's time to take a look at the cupboards and see what we need and what we don't need in our life. We need to pay our bills. We need to do what we need to do to survive food-wise, shelter-wise, clothing-wise, fine. We don't need to go out and make expensive purchases, expended purchases, and going above and beyond our means. Because right now, what we're facing in this country is a, a real awakening and very scary thoughts of this country going into a recession. And people like myself, my sister, have all purchased homes, and we're worried about this housing market that's gonna, that if this recession hits... It could cause major, major damage to the markets, and it's it's going to affect a lot of people, and it's going to affect a lot of businesses. It's going to affect a lot of things. Food costs are still high, but they're not at, not cutting back to normal. So I ask you to just watch your spending. Be careful what you what you actually need and what you actually want. There's what you need and what you want in this world. I need to buy groceries. I need to pay a bill to keep my heat and my gas and my electric on. I need to clothe myself. I need to wash, get soap and feminine products and such and such. But do I want to buy this? I don't need to buy this. I don't want to buy this. I don't need to have this. So watch your spending and be careful what you spend and what you spend on. That's by Andy Rance tonight. Also, want to extend a congratulatory thank, uh, congratulations to our good buddy Nick the Money Man Devera. He uh, got a piece of common uh, paperwork from the Commonwealth, the Commons of the British Parliament, not British Parliament, but the Canadian Parliament, uh, commending him for his his uh, acknowledgement of Canadian culture. So, I want to congratulate him on that. Uh, we're going to try to get him, he might be, you know, you never know what the anchor people are going to do if they're going to bring back old guests and stuff like that from yours truly's past, but for the podcast, but we'll see how that all shakes out. So congratulations to Nick on that one. So until then, this is Andy Alford. I'll talk to you guys next week for the birthday edition and it'll be the NHL all-star break. Well, I'm looking forward to the get the Batman, uh, conference call. So that's going to be interesting. Um, like I said, we'll be back on the 2nd of February for all Andy Alfred, as we'll get you set up and ready to go for the NHL All-Star weekend, as well as it's my birthday weekend and, uh, the Pro Bowl is happening that weekend. 
Uh, we'll recap the, the conference championships and so much more. So uh, this is Andy Alford saying, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. The game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you root for at home. And to my teams, go Jackets. Get the job done in Vancouver. Play well in Seattle. Let's go Walleye. Let's go Bengals. And fly, Eagles, fly. And go Falcons. Hockey and men's basketball, as well as the women's basketball. And go KO. Hopefully, you can prove me wrong. Because victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Have a great weekend, everybody, and a great week. I'll talk to you guys next week for another edition of All Andy Alford right here on the Anchor Network. I love you, babe. Talk to you later. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You have listened to tonight's show on the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker. Remember, you can follow the show on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford and Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. Podcasts are recorded each week on the Anchor Network.